Welcome to another episode of the Let's Talk Revenue Marketing podcast, brought to you by Revenue Marketing Alliance. In this power-packed installment, your host Paul Sweeney and special guest Rodolfo Yu, head of demand generation at Recharge, delve into the art of fostering better relationships with the sales team. Get ready to unlock the secrets behind key inbound and outbound metrics that fuel revenue growth, discover the KPIs that drive success, learn how sales can supercharge revenue marketing, and a whole lot more. Hello and welcome to the Let's Talk Revenue Marketing podcast. Today I'm joined by Rodolfo, who's going to help us unpick how revenue marketing can help us foster better relationships with our sales colleagues, closer alignment between these two departments that often at best operate to the beat of their own drum and at worst compete with one another over attribution and uh, revenue. Before we get into that, Rodolfo, thank you so much for joining us today and uh, carving out some time for us. Could you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you're up to at the moment? Hey, Paul. Um, thank you for having me today. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Rudolfo. Um, right now, I'm a head of demand gen at Recharge. Um, previously, I was at about at Octa for about four years. And then before that, I was in a couple of Series A startups. Um, and so today, I basically manage all of the marketing and BDL pipeline. Uh, for the business to help the sales team to achieve our revenue goals. Awesome. How are you? How are you, how's your marketing team set up at, uh, at your employer? Yeah. So uh, in my team, I have uh, three pillars, which are inbound, advertising, and ABM. Um, and then we also have a inbound and outbound team on the uh, sales side. Um, so we partner very closely with the BDL team, then hopefully we get to the revenue goals that we have on any quarter. Okay, great. It's interesting that you're, um, you have an inbound and outbound marketing team that's ma- mirrored with an inbound and outbound, outbound sales team. I think it's the first time I've ever heard that. How, how's that working for you? It's working for us, I would say. I think um, for me, it's all about the alignment between Hey, if we were to think about holistically of the BDR or marketing pipeline, how do we map on an inbound and outbound motion perspective? And then within each outbound and out, uh, inbound and outbound, how do we resource and how do we think about like program allocation? Um, and so the people element of aligning one to one is it's definitely something top of my mind at that point. Great. Yeah. It'd be really interesting to uh, hear how that plays out into the future. It's an interesting. Um interesting setup. So, I mean, I think one of the great challenges that revenue marketing has set out to try and solve is the misalignment between marketing and sales. I think a lot of that misalignment comes from working towards a different set of metrics. And I mean that in the past, Mm -hmm. revenue marketing is doing a better job of trying to solve that problem. So in the past, you'd have marketing worried about, you know, net new names and um, MQLs and lead score and on the sales side, ultimately, what they're interested in is um, is revenue. And in that, in the gap between those is where a lot of the conflict between yep. marketing and sales comes from. I guess from a metrics perspective, I'm interested to hear from an inbound and outbound perspective. What sorts of metrics are you working towards that's that's helping to um, kind of solve these um, these kind of misalignment problems? Yeah. So I think. Uh, starting with a metric is an interesting one because I think um, that almost look at the entire company level, right? Mm-hmm. 
Um, and from our go-to-market motion, we only look at two things, which are revenue, and then pre-revenue, we look at pipeline, right? So then between pipeline and revenue, um, depending on the sales cycle and the ACV, then you will have somewhat predictable um, revenue in the coming quarter or next so. Um, so I think simplifying at a company level will help because then the, the following problems, you know, is that how do you diffuse down to like individual team, right? And to answer your questions directly, even, even on the inbound and outbound metric perspective, um, we still measure on in uh, pipeline per motion. Um, obviously, the, the, golden, the more granular level that you look at, the more nuance and experience applied to it, right? And so we can dive deeper into like each of the, within inbound or within outbound, like how do you look at that? Um, and how do we assign like appropriate KPIs to each of the team members per se? Yeah, that's really interesting. What, what KPIs are you working towards? I really like that you're working, ultimately working towards revenue because, um, you know, it's my opinion that, you know, we're, we're getting revenue marketing wrong or we're doing it incorrectly if we're not working towards pipeline and revenue. You know, I, I did host a podcast not that long ago where the, um, you know, I was joined by a gentleman who said that, you know, we shouldn't be looking at revenue or should be looking at it less closely, which we had an interesting, interesting discussion mm. about. It's my, yeah, it's my strong opinion that we, revenue marketing should be very, very interested and invested in pipeline creation and ultimately revenue. But I guess taking a step back from that and looking at some of the tactics and channels that you just discussed or, or alluded to there, what KPIs can you set against those that ultimately help you roll up to a, to a pipeline creation number and to a revenue number? Yeah, so um, you, we were to focus on pipeline, um, then the inbound and outbound motions, the, 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 the one step further is like the number of meetings that we have, right? And so like meetings and pipeline already inform a lot of um, a lot of business decisions, for example, like capacity, um, how many meetings can a BDR can actually handle, uh, how many opportunities can they pass through and create notes and, and gone reporting and et cetera. Uh, so I think that there's a lot of complexity within meetings and pipeline already because pipeline, how we calculate it is basically accepted opportunity from an AE um, that they are committed to close uh, from that point onwards. And that is where the BDR is getting a credit. Um, and then before the meeting, right, if you look at inbound motions, like there's a lot of things that marketing can do, right? From website, SEO, CRO, pay advertising, et cetera, right? And so those are the, uh, what I call like channel metrics. You will look at like impression, section, click through, conversions in platform. Um, those are the individual channels from a metric point of view. Um, from an outbound mode perspective, um, then it's really about like how many uh, accounts you have touched how many net new contacts you enroll in sequences and what is like the reply rate or click through rate within those email sequences, right? Because those are the drivers of the functions to kind of get to the meeting that each BDR wants to set. Uh, and so it all kinds of led up to the pipeline goals that we have, which let's just say 50% of the, uh, half of that will, will turn into revenue. Um, does, that, does that paint a clearer picture to you? Yeah, it did. Yeah, it really did. I'm, I'm curious to know whether you've got to the point where you think that, let's say your your revenue goals or your pipeline goals are, are amended 
halfway through the year, you know, the company wants to go for growth. Are you at the point where you think that you've got a close enough link between your in-channel metrics and pipeline creation and revenue that you could, you know, scale something based on from a metrics perspective? You could say, look, we need to do more of this because it's it's resulting in more meetings, which are resulting in which is resulting in more revenue. Mm-hmm. Have you managed to bring that gap between kind of tactical KPIs and ultimately, you know, pipeline creation? Yeah. So I would say at a broad stroke, yes. I would say from a uh, from a capital deployment perspective, right? It's basically a dollar in, a dollar out, right? Uh, we can probably do that at every 10% increment that I would feel very confident on um, because you are trying to put more money in each of the channels. It might become less efficient, but you will still get the outcome that you might expect, right? Um, Anything more than like you think about like fifty or sixty percent, like it's not incremental. It's not incrementality anymore. Like you probably need to experiment new channels to get that big of a jump of the outcome that you want, right? And the funny thing about not the funny, but the the, the experience talk is, hey, if you are sales, you can just add a hacker minus the RAM time of three months rep, and hopefully you'll get to the quota for the AE, right? On the marketing side, it actually takes quite a bit of time. It might take you like around six months to even try a channel and confirm whether it's actually working, right? And 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 depending on the level that we operate at, hey, it's not even about a single channel, right? You might have to test a basket of channels in order to like really fulfill, hey, like how do we go about new market? How do we go about new product launches? Right, because those are the bigger bets that like some of the SaaS company might have in order to really significantly drive revenue. Um, hopefully, that paints a little picture, and then we can dive deeper on like, hey, what the levers that we can actually try to do that. Yeah, yeah, let's dig into that uh, in a moment. I'm just at a kind of headline level. Obviously, the, the metrics are important, working towards similar goals or working towards the goals that ultimately the company is interested in is um is really important i'm also interested in culture because i think you know metrics and kpis is one thing but you know i think driving a a kind of culture of um of respect between marketing and sales does i think start with metrics but it doesn't end with metrics you know what else what else can revenue marketers and just marketers in general actually what can they do to you know to help sales hit their goals and help sales actually feel like they're you know they're both pulling in the same direction so i'm not always sure that's um that's how it comes across yeah i think i think culturally speaking i think it really depends on how marketers carry the conversation with sales um a lot of times i see that hey like even though we might be talking about the same metric the interpretation or the meaning behind the metric may be different Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got to, I think as a marketer, one thing that I always say is like, you have to care about like the deal itself. It's not just like a role in a spreadsheet or like an opportunity in Salesforce. You have to care about who are the prospects, what do they care about, why is it like a six or seven, six or seven figure deal. And I think those informations are what like you can carry the conversation with sales leaders because that's actually what they care, right? Like we have to talk about like the challenges that the prospect is facing or the blockers that sales facing they have in order to 
get to the next stage of sales. Um, and so if our job is not to say, hey, like once you hit pipeline, I'm done, right? It's really hopefully we carry all the way, all the, all the sales agents to revenue. Um, and I think, I, I think that's some of the key elements when, when, when I think about like carrying a conversation. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a good point. I think to my eyes, one of the industries that got this right first was the SaaS industry. Um, probably because of the kind of recurring nature of the revenue there and the need to kind of, um, you know, mitigate churn um, and, you know, I guess fight for their subscription every month or whenever the renewal renewal period comes mm-hmm. through. What can, you know, more traditional industries, you know, whether they're shifting hardware or, you know, where, where it's just not a SaaS industry, right? It might still be tech, it might, um, but, you know, they're, they're longer more complicated sales cycles it might be a one-off deal rather than recurring revenue i guess what can other industries non-sas industries learn from the sas industry what can they take from it and implement uh, that works for their industry yeah i think i think i would iterate the point on really understanding the deal information and the deal flow I think regardless of which industry you are in, right? Like there's a contract to be signed and a contract represents two businesses do, doing work together. Uh, the closer the marketing side on that contract, the, the more relevant information that you can extract from your customers, right? And I think in, in SaaS, like we have this obsession about like customer first, right? Or customer obsessed. I think it's the same principle that could be applied to any other industry. Um, and then the second thing that I would think about is like basically the nature of marketing, right? Um, I think it's easier to think on the revenue side from SaaS perspective, but I also think like depending on the marketing functions or what the profile of the marketing leaders, that might swing the directions of the marketing leaders on how they want to lead the marketing organization. Um, and depending on the business need, right? Like then we really about like the executive alignments on what marketing should or could be uh, attribu- uh, contributing. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's um, a really good point. I'm really interested in the SaaS industry just because it, it tends to be the, at the moment, well, at least for the ten, last 10 years, I think it's been the real vanguard of tech marketing. I think a lot of the mm-hmm. better marketing or some of the, you know, some of the industry standard marketing has come out of the, um, has come out of the SaaS industry, and I'm really always really interested to talk to SaaS marketers just to see what I can what I can learn from them, why they're you know why they're doing things so well, and why um you know the rest of the you know marketing industry is looking to looking looking to them really to catch up a little bit, and also to see what's coming down the line that they need to learn. So yeah, always really interested to hear um hear from SaaS marketing leaders what you know what they're up to and what we can learn from them. So thanks for that. Um, yeah, I think. No, I, I think I think it's interesting that you pointed out because I do think like other industry were or other industries are building more like a SaaS like business model, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you think about even like salons, like they are trying to create a membership so that you can come recurrently or going even unlimited, even coffee brand, right? And so mm-hmm. I think there are similar tactics on like how do we generate that repeat revenue, um, and then the tactics may be more applicable. Um, or the mindset may be more applicable for people on how to operate a marketing organization. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the first things I saw the SaaS industry do well or grasp with is the, the 
is the kind of idea of offering a freemium version of your product and putting that in market and that being the main gateway into your marketing to sales motion or pipeline. Um, obviously for some industries that's very difficult. Uh, you know, if you're selling cars, ultimately what you, what you need to do is to sell a car rather yeah. than sell a premium version of it. So there's some industries where this doesn't work right. But I think there's something that I give a lot of thought to is how can we get a particular product, service, software into the hands of the end user and then to play with it. Because ultimately if you have a market leading piece of product or software that you, you know you shouldn't be shy or afraid of getting that into the hands of um, your potential end users because that's how you're going to sell it right if it's brilliant then they're going oh. to continue to want to it identifies a need for them and it solves that problem for them so that's something i give a lot of thought to learning from the SaaS industry is how can we get product service software into the hands of um, our prospective end users because i think that's the easiest way uh, for marketers to um, bring great, you know, demand into the organization and that to flow through into sales. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. I think it's like how people buy products and services have evolved, right? Because nowadays information is very readily available. Um, and then I was thinking about the examples that you mentioned, even like gym classes, like you have a free pass and you go, right? Think about buying books online. You you have a preview before you actually buy the book, right? Um, all these have mm -hmm. like a premium taste to it. Um, and I think people expect more now for businesses to, to give up more before you show to show value. Um, and then I'm willing to give you my credit card, right? And so there's like that that fair exchange of value. The bar is really high. It's not just like, hey, you say you're going to deliver this. I'm going to trust in you. I actually will try this out before I place that trust in you. Um, so that that's something that I definitely see across industries and more and more in companies doing that. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. So from from a from your perspective, what are you seeing, you know, down the line from a from your perspective? You know, what what do we as um, marketers, revenue marketers need to be aware of, you know, what, what are you seeing that we should, um, we should be taking notes on? Yeah, I think for, for revenue marketers, one thing is definitely, um, keep your cadence up with the sales team. Um, I always think that like you, you might have your weekly or bi-weekly with your sales leaders. You should also keep in touch with the AEs because they are the, the voice on the ground on the field, right? Um, and a lot of times, depending on the industry that you work in, right, um, changes can happen very quickly, right? Mm -hmm. um, and if sales, the conversation is changing, like on the marketing side, like you almost need to pivot even more significantly um, because you almost want to change the market perspective, right, and the landscape. Um, and you basically want to distill the learning insight from individual conversations to like perceptions of the target audience or the populations that you want. And so the earlier that you can distill the insight, the better that you can plan and influence people's mindset into your product and offering um, because competition is everywhere in every single industry. And then people are always asking for more. Um, and that's the, that's the two things that I always stay in top of. Yeah, I guess ultimately it comes down to relationships with sales. If, if there's a feedback cycle between, you know, sales back into marketing, it allows you to, you know, change what you're doing to the to the betterment of um, 
then the pursuit of revenue. So that's a really good point. I think um, one of the areas that we most often get feedback, or I most often receive feedback as a result of doing this podcast, is that revenue marketing is a, <clears throat> is a great fit for organizations that have a relatively simple or streamlined product, service, software, whatever you want to call it, you know, whether that's one or two mm-hmm. things, a really defined target market, a really defined persona who they want to sell to or want to market to. Um, and that product really fits and appeals to that market <clears throat> or addresses it as best as it can. Um, yeah. And, you know, then trying to attribute marketing tactics um, to meet those, you know, to meet those personas and then attribute that through yeah. to revenue or through pipeline is relatively straightforward. I'm not saying it's easy because it's never easy, but it's, you know, more straightforward. Mm-hmm. I think some of the people mm-hmm. that revenue marketing folk who work in really complex organizations that have, you know, dozens or multiple products. They might, they might have a hardware side, they might have a software yep. side, they might have a services side on top of that. They might have multiple organizations in different uh, pipelines in, you know, they might be interested yep. in three different areas of what they do and trying to attribute um, across all of that is incredibly difficult. Um, that's actually the, you know, the, the problem that I face in my particular um, area of work is that what my employer sells so much that um, you know trying to work out you know where people are in the sales cycle is actually really difficult. So I wonder if you had any thoughts about that. You know I, I do think that the criticism stands up. I think that if, where you have uh, a more streamlined product and um, you can work out where you know where your demand is and then set up your marketing and sales to address that. I think it. I think that does work really well. But I think for those listening that work in big complex organizations, how can they start yeah. to get their toe in the water of revenue marketing? Yeah. So I think I think what we, what I kind of break down the, when I was talking about the metrics is like very simple. If you is is the mathematical equation, right? If you only sell one product or one platform you're going to work that out and then you just need to write people in place to figure that out. I think the broader um, vision for revenue marketers should, should be thinking about new ways to generate revenue, mm-hmm. right? Um, the way to generate revenue is not necessarily adding new sales. It's really thinking about like what are the problems that we you or you as a business can solve, right? And so let's start with one single product. What are the adjacent areas? Or if you have multiple products already, what are the synergy between the products? What will prospect buy more or willing to pay more, right? Mm-hmm. It's either you have more products to address a bigger TAM or you're charging more for the same product, right? Uh, and so I think that's probably where I would start because the more complex it is, uh, the less straightforward to, to solve the problem, right? Um, and so if we are closer to the customers or like, hey, because a lot of bigger customers, they actually have budget to try new things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the same goes to like your marketing budget, right? Like you should dedicate a, a portion of your budget to try new things. And that trying new things should be matching to what customer was willing to try, right? Yeah. And so... You never know until you try. And I think the experimental culture of bigger companies is often where like people want to focus, right? Um, and I think new ways to generate revenue is always um, a good thing for the business. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I've got a colleague who says that um, if they ever work for a uh, 
a smaller company again with one product, they're going to feel like a you know marketing genie, um, having you know been through the uh, been through the process of trying to implement this within a large organisation. I think there's some there's some truth in that. Um, thinking yeah. about our um, our kind of our sales colleagues out there, how you know I, we do have some people from you know sales who listen to this and um, you know trying to upskill themselves in the marketing side of things. What I guess what can they do to help revenue marketing work? I think uh, you know uh, in terms of basic principles, I think working closely with marketing, I think most salespeople go into go into it you know wanting to do that and wanting to work well with them. And I think you know if you can agree on yeah. certain metrics, that's also good as well. But from a sales perspective, what does good look like to you? The salespeople that you work with, where you think, okay, look, we're making this work, we're moving in the right direction. Um, what do you get from them that um, makes you feel like that? Makes, excuse me, makes you feel that way? Yeah, yeah. I think I think as far as we, I think the first step is that the metrics, right, and then having that understanding behind the meaning. Um, the second thing that I would say is providing feedback. Um, either feedback from your own experience or feedback from customers, right? Like in a call, like you can just say, hey, how did you learn about us? Like what brings you to this conversation? It can be as simple as that, right? Um, and so feedback, I think it's important. I think the best sales leaders always have a point of view on how marketing can help the overall organizations and they, they, they want to provide that feedback. I think thirdly, which is more important thing and I think it, it's harder to articulate for some of the sales groups is be very clear about your ask. Um, I, think, I think marketers are genuinely want to know what's working and what's not, right? And if you can have a very clear ask and set the expectations clearly, and hey, like maybe this is like a, a strong ask, like I hear 10 customers asking for this, right? And this is five goal recording, like, it's a no-brainer that we should be using uh, or doing that versus like, hey, like I have here, this is my thought, then like, let's try this out, right? I think asking, I think there may be some hesitation for sales leaders to ask because, oh, they don't want to place the burden on the marketing leaders and it shouldn't be my job to tell people what to do. I get that. But I also think like, Marketers always ask sales to close, right? <laughs> I think it's the same thing, like how, how sales leaders can ask marketers to do something else. Um, and so I think it's a two-way street in that way. So those are the three things that, that I would say, uh, be careful, like how do we carry conversations and, and ask for things? Yeah, I think that's really good. I think I agree with you that, the t you know, you mentioned three things there. I think the, the two most important things are, um, are an agreed and shared set of metrics. So you know, we, we all know that we're working in the same direction. And then I think open and clear and constructive communication is, um, is absolutely crucial. I, I, yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with um, what you said there. I guess, um, you know, with an eye on time and wanting to respect yours, um, putting aside the kind of relationship with sales to one side, I think marketing and every industry at the moment is going through at the very least a state of flux or looking at, you know, the emergence of artificial intelligence um, with an eye on it thinking, okay, either how can I harness it or, you know, crikey, that might be a threat to what, to what I'm doing or at the very yeah. least I to think about it in terms of how I'm going to um, use it within my organization or, you know, how am I, who am I selling to, how are they going to use it? 
I guess you've got any early thoughts around that. I know it's a really nebulous subject and it could go in any direction, but um, it's something that I'm really interested to pick the minds of marketing leaders on at the moment is, you know, it's coming and it's going to disrupt every industry, um, including marketing, I guess. Have you got an eye on it? And if you have, what are your early thoughts on how it's going to affect what we do? Yeah, I think AI is definitely not go, going away and the marketing teams can adopt AI the earlier that they have a higher likelihood to succeed. Um, I think already uh, has been awarded in content production because uh, think about tools like Writer or Jasper, like they are, they are pretty much on the on the tech space landscape on like how do how do we do that? They basically can absorb all the content that you have created. Create you have created from like a term or voice or language to be used. Um, and, and trying to produce similar content. Ultimately, you still need to review by humans at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think the key thing that marketing leaders should think about is like, if you are the first one to successfully adopt AI in your teams ahead of your competition, and that's exactly how you will win. Uh, because let's just say conservatively, you will gain efficiency like 3x, Right. Basically, your competitors is three content writers versus you need one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that is probably a way to to articulate the value of why we're experiencing it now mm-hmm. to like the exact teams or the board on like that content is only one thing. Like how about design, other areas of AI, maybe even in the product, right? That. Yeah is really accelerating on like your 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 market position um and so starting from small that my advice would be starting from small or like one or two programs and how do we think about ais and then paint a bigger picture of like hey this can be fundamental in our business in 10 years more forward right yeah yeah i think that's sound advice picking a couple of areas where you think you can have um you can have an impact and looking to scale those and then look for other areas in the future so that's really interesting um rodolfo thanks so much for your time today i just wanted to offer you the opportunity to let you know let everyone know where they can find you what are your what are your social handles and if people want to get in contact yeah the best way to find me is definitely on linkedin um so it's just rodolfo you um and then just hit me up on any questions that you might have about this podcast or any other things that about revenue marketing, um, I'm always happy to connect with uh, folks. Um, and then let's take it from there. And thank you for having me today, Paul. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for your insights into fostering better relationship with sales. I think um, you know there's lots of different ways you can do this, but ultimately it comes down to an agreed set of metrics and um, good communication were the two areas that really came out strong for me during our conversation. So I think that's really good advice for the um marketers listening out there so thank you for uh, thank you for imparting that on us no worries thank you for having me again thank you very much thanks for joining us on let's talk revenue marketing don't stop now there's more to explore dive into our other captivating episodes where we uncover revenue boosting strategies insider secrets and inspiring success stories get ready to unleash your marketing potential and stay ahead of the game keep listening and enjoy the next episode